welcome to yet another episode of the Born to Fly podcast. Today I'm talking to Leo Marte and we're talking about finances, about generational wealth and what to do if you actually create enough money and you want to start investing. So stay tuned if this is you right now. So Leo Marte, my guest, is a certified financial planner. He runs an investment advisory firm that provides personal CFO services to Christian professionals. He helps you plan for the future, invest your assets and manage your taxes so that you can honor God and build generational wealth. He currently resides in North Carolina where his wife and he are raising a family. As I said, he is a certified financial planner which is the gold standard of financial planning expertise. Only 28% of advisors in the US attain this designation. So we have an expert here on the show and I'm really happy to talk about financial matters. And so let's not wait any longer, let's dive right into it. Welcome, Leo, on today's podcast, on the Born to Fly podcast, and I'm happy to have you here on the show. But who is Leo? Can you tell our listeners who you are? Of course, and thanks for having me on your platform, Jane. I appreciate it. My name is Leo Marte. I am a financial advisor uh, that focuses uh, primarily on serving Christians. Uh, I've been in the business of financial services for over a decade uh, in a variety of roles, uh, but primarily in the financial planning space, investment management, and more Recently, uh, nearly two years ago, I decided to set out on my own and start my own firm that was focused on serving Christians because I believed that even though a large amount of the U.S. population identifies as Christians, there aren't that many firms oriented towards financial planning and investment management that specifically cater to believers. Uh, So I felt the calling to go out and start something new in order to serve this group of people that are underserved in the marketplace. And in the process, you know, fulfill my dreams of entrepreneurship, gain uh, a greater ownership of my time, and really allow me the freedom to do what God, you know, has me do best uh, with the gifts that he's given me. Okay, so you said that God called you or you feel you kind of felt called to start this entrepreneurial journey um, Mm -hmm. for yourself. So I want to know, like, how did you feel that you were called? Like, what was that like? So that's a, you know, that that's an, a good, good question, I think, because it's really hard sometimes to discern God's purposes and God's calling. And you usually come to that conclusion after the fact, right? <laughs> so you do see some signs along the way, but it's not really until you're done or not done, but after you've crossed that Rubicon that it makes sense that yes, this was in fact God's purpose. So I was having a conversation back in 2018 with my wife in our living room. And I was telling her how much I enjoyed uh, teaching financial literacy at our church. Uh, She and I were teaching a class together and she really got to see me in my element and really excited about the topic of money and helping Christians with a very specific biblical perspective. And she said, hey, you know, you maybe you should maybe think about doing this full time, uh, like as your, as your actual job. At the time, I was doing other work in an investment firm called Vanguard, you know, big name in the industry. And I was in a role where I was doing a different type of work, but not specifically the investment advice piece that I do today. Um, they said, you know, you should probably do this full time. And I said, you know what, I probably should. And I started exploring uh, some of the things that I needed to do in order to create this new company that, you know, fast forward, you know, two years later, I ended up, you know, uh, leaving Vanguard and starting the firm. But, you know, if I were to look back, I would say 
I saw God's calling as a confirmation in my heart. Like my heart became more and more comfortable with the idea of leaving a safe job to go and start a firm where I had no guarantee of success. That's a big leap, right? Mm -hmm. So for any entrepreneurs out there, you know how that anxiety feels, you know, that, you know, it's kind of feeling that heartbeat in your ear, so to speak, you know, where, or you're anxious about crossing that bridge without security. Uh, the second thing is, as I started learning, everything just started sort of coming natural to me. I started putting together my business plan. Everything flowed very nicely. My story, my goals, the things that I was dreaming about just kind of started getting onto paper very quickly. And then I had to go through a process of learning and certifications and designations. And, you know, the exams just kind of came second nature to me. I was really enjoying the content. And I kind of saw along the way that validation that, yeah, this, this is starting to feel like the journey I should be taking because it just comes so natural to me to walk through that. But I think, Jane, you don't really no, no, if it's God's plan until after you do it. So after I jumped, I went through a process of, you know, the first few months, you know, you're creating new revenue, you're, you know, trying to gain your first few clients. And God slowly started bringing to me the right people for me to work with. And I don't know how to explain that in a very objective way, because a lot of it is subjective. It's personality. It's the chemistry of working with somebody uh, where you feel like you're really developing that depth of relationship, you know, the right needs for your skill set, all of a sudden finding you, you know, and of course that comes from marketing and kind of putting yourself out there and telling your story. But that's really the only way I can tell you fast forward a year and a half later, where I'm kind of out of that valley of, of starting a firm from scratch and, and the Lord keeps adding the right people, you know, to, to my firm uh, that I can see that, a validation that this is where he wants me to be today. So it's not an easy question to answer, but I hope the answer is helpful. I know. And that's also why I think calling is such sometimes a daunting word because we were not actually sure like, when you really called. I think uh, there's this book or I think teaching from John Maxwell and he talks about calling and that people could be called in four different ways. And he gives examples of the Bible. And one, it's like Paul, but Paul got like, bam, a calling, you know, he was like converted and you have mm -hmm. to go and evangelize right but then there's also esther who was put into a situation and basically mm -hmm. you know it was like hey this is what you have to do right now and you can't change the circumstances you can change circumstances for everybody in you know mm -hmm. in israel those are just like two examples so that's why i get like answering this question is pretty hard sometimes calling isn't really clear in the beginning it's just vague and you kind of feel like a nudge you're like maybe i should move towards that and then you don't mm -hmm. feel that you're doing the right thing but you're looking back and you're like i'm actually doing the right thing um and, so yeah you know and calling Calling is such a tough word too, because calling comes with a certain level of accountability, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to say you're called to something until you're really sure that God's calling you to something. Because the moment you say, God called me to do this, then you're inviting public accountability to your mission. And that's hard. Uh, <laughs> that's why it's really tough to use that word. But on the other hand, you know, as I recall some of my times in prayer when I was really anxious or when I was really struggling in the very early 
early stages of starting the business. You know, I kept hearing this sort of this inside voice. You know, it wasn't an audible, you know, my windows open and the and the lights came flashing and the angel of the Lord was in my room. No, it was not that way. It was more of a, hey, it's three in the morning. I can't fall asleep because I need to create revenue for this business. <laughs> and I'm praying because I have nothing else to do but do that in hopes of falling asleep. And in those moments, I kept feeling that validation in my spirit that God was asking me the things that I was supposed to do, you know, build a business with a solid foundation, develop my processes, create a strong marketing program, taking the at-bats, putting myself out there. And then he would do the things that he needed to do, which was bringing the right people into my funnel, convincing their hearts before they ever started talking to me that I was the right person to go with them. And I think that's where the calling comes into play because it's very different to take a big leap when you're doing it by yourself than when you have God's backing. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, if God's for us, who can be against us, right? Yes. Okay. So you started your business. And one question I want to ask is, did you start it like from the get-go as a full-time business or did you start doing it on the side while you were still working for um, Vanguard? Yeah, Vanguard. So no, I started it hundred percent full-time right away uh, for a variety of reasons. You know, number one, uh, because of, because I was already in the financial services industry and I was a registered, what's called a registered representative of Vanguard from a regulatory standpoint, you cannot be a representative for two firms at the same time. So mm -hmm. the nature of my work required me to make a clean break from one company into the other. Reason number two um, is because I really wanted to send a clear message both to my prospect and to the marketplace that I was very serious about this and that I was putting all my chips on the table, you know, mm -hmm. that I was going to give this the best try that I could do without any other distraction. And that's really hard to do because of course, you know, you have to pay your bills, you know, so you have to have savings to be able to make a decision like that, et cetera. Uh, but I thought that a big part of my early success was the fact that I was 100% focused on doing one thing instead of having a divided focus um, because I was hoping this business would be my main source of income and my main business for the rest of my professional career. Yeah, well, that requires a lot of faith. If you have to jump in 100% like that, it's like, okay, God, we're going to do this. <laughs> it does. And and look, you know, I, I know colleagues that have the privilege of working in non-competing businesses where they can do that on the side and boy, is it easier, right? It takes a lot yeah. less time for you to make the jump and do it because you don't need to save as much. You don't need to prepare as much. Uh, but I think it was the right fit for me. I, I'm the kind of person that needs to jump both feet in in order to figure it out. And I'm glad that I did it that way. Good. Okay. So I want to talk about this concept that I mentioned in your bio and that we emailed about back and forth. That is generational wealth. And just explain where the term comes from and what it means and why you why you're so focused on helping people build generational wealth well when people ask me you know what sets me apart as a christian advisor from other people in the marketplace that are you know just as competent just as professional and experienced in doing the work that i do and my answer almost always goes back to what end am i working with you 
right? A typical financial advisor has the skills and the abilities to help you grow and develop your wealth, have a great quality of life, you know, be able to invest, save, eventually retire, live on the assets that you've accumulated. So that is a common skill set across the majority of advisors that do a good job for their clients. But when I work with my clients, I like to put a different spin on financial planning because for Christians, one of the themes that we see over and over in the Bible about our relationship with money is that number one, we are stewards, not owners. So because we're stewards, we have to think in terms that are bigger than us when it comes to wealth. Number two, the Bible associates generational wealth with wise living, right? So the wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So somebody who is seeking wisdom, who lives life wisely, is not only thinking about themselves, but is thinking about the generations after them and be able to put their contribution for the betterment of the people who are coming behind them. And no better illustration than the story of Abraham, right? So Abraham is called from a context in which, you know, there was no worshiping of the one true God as we know him today. God called him out of that context to go and start a new nation. And he blessed him incredibly, right? But Abraham didn't sit there and, you know, eat all his sheep in retirement and, you know, have a wonderful life and just enjoy his money until he died, right? Like, no, he had a mission. He had a purpose that was beyond his lifetime. And when he passed, he passed down a significant amount of wealth to his son, Isaac, who then continued to live in wisdom and continued to grow that and eventually passed down to Jacob. And we see this nature of hey, these people are living for something that's bigger than them. And they're setting up the next generation to be great stewards of money so that they can continue a virtuous cycle. That's why I focus so much on generational wealth. Because if you get to the end of your days and you die with three, four, five million dollars, but the people that are coming behind you have not been prepared and equipped and, and absorbed your values along the way, that wealth can be incredibly destructive to them. Mm -hmm. And chances are within a generation or two, all of that is going to disappear. So as I help my clients think about, you know, building wealth, yes, there are some foundational things that we have to do, you know, live below your means save, invest in a diversified portfolio. Those are broad universal principles that everybody has to do. But when we get into that second and third layer of depth of conversation, that's really when we start looking at some of these deeply spiritual themes like generational wealth. Yeah. And that's why I guess you also want to work with Christians because you basically point to the Bible and say, this is where it starts. You know, in the very beginning already, there's Abraham. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's yeah. where God already started introducing kind of the concept of generational wealth saying, you know, I, I give you something and make sure that you pass this on and that you teach people that wealth is something that you, you know, is being given to you. It's not something you build. It's mm -hmm. like, I give you enough that you can steward, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And also that you you get to to talk about this with the people that you work with at mm -hmm. some point like once you got the basics down you start talking about how are you going to make sure that this legacy of money that you leave like mm -hmm. it's it's being stewarded well so 
When I think of financial advisors, and maybe a lot of people that are listening to this too, I'm also thinking about they are great people for people who have money, right? We're talking about wealth. We're talking about wealth that we want to pass on to other people. When you're just starting out as a business owner, you probably don't have the idea that you have a lot of wealth yet. So when do people actually start working with you um, to work with a financial advisor? That's yeah, let's just start with this question first and then I'll park the other one for later. Yes. So so when we're looking at the decision making point of hiring an advisor, I think there's a lot of things you need to weigh in, right? So before you even talk about money and before you even talk about income and investments, you need to figure out, you know, do you have the willingness to manage whatever it is that you have and that you want to create, right? Do you have that willingness to go do the job? Do you have the ability to do so? So you may want to do it, but you may not actually be able to do so. And then, you know, can you do it with excellence? Can you, can you really on your own, do you have the time to dedicate into this to actually make it happen the way that you hope it will. So those are subjective questions that you need to ask yourself before you overlay your situation. Because then if you say, okay, the answers all align, then yes, I need an advisor. Then your next question is, well, what kind of advisor do you need, right? Do you need an advisor that specializes in wealth management if you don't have a lot of wealth? Probably not. You probably need somebody that you can work with that can create a financial plan for you at a reasonable price or can charge you by the hour so that you can maintain the engagement as affordable as you can. But if you're already a business owner and you're exiting your business and you're selling your business for a significant amount of money, you need somebody who understands wealth management and that understands how to make that money last for the rest of your life so that you don't starve. There are different types of advisors with different fee models. But when it comes to people who are working with me, I typically tend to work with two groups of people in my, in my firm. People who are close to retirement who typically are senior executives or business owners who've accumulated assets and need help managing that. And they don't feel like they can just do it alone and do it well. And then I also work with high earning couples, usually in their 30s and 40s, who have uh, typically dual income households, who have high earning careers, but they don't have the time or the expertise to build wealth. They have a lot of income, a lot of money is coming in the door, but they don't know how to divvy it up. What do I pay first? What do I invest my money? What do I buy once it's in the account? And those are also the kinds of people that I tend to work with. But there are a number of advisors in the market that serve different levels of wealth and income. It's just a matter of knowing yourself enough to know if you need help or mm -hmm. if you are able to do it on your own. And when would you say people would need help? In the United States, because of our tax system, typically people whose income exceeds $250,000 starts to become a little bit harder to manage on the tax end because a lot of the tax breaks that you get as a middle-class family, credits, deductions start to disappear. So your situation gets more complex. Also, when people exceed $1 million in assets, typically you see the complexity also grow in their life because that's usually their life savings. They don't have 20 more years to recover if they make a mistake. And that's also usually a good indicator. Um, uh, but there are people at a half a million that need help uh, because, you know, they may not be in a high earning career and that's all they've accumulated and they don't really know how to make it last. So I don't know that it's necessarily a money number, but there's definitely a boundary beyond which you're taking a lot more risk if you don't work with that profession. Yeah, no, for sure. And I also think just not having enough knowledge, like what to do, what is a wise investment, you know, with your money, it might be good to have somebody who's like, okay, this is like my job. Mm -hmm. I can actually tell you what you can do. 
with your money and how you can start saving or building wealth. Exactly. So talking about building wealth, like most people start businesses, A, because they're called, you know, they want mm -hmm. to start a business because God calls them to do. But then also like one side of a business is actually you want to make money, right? That's why you're in business mm -hmm. uh, or else you would work for, uh, for an employer. So this podcast is catered to people who just start out, but they're thinking ahead, like they're thinking ahead in maybe five years from now, I'm making enough revenue and I can actually start putting a side things or maybe they're like in the previous podcast we talked about profit first so they actually like already allocating stuff um, or money to profit they're at a point and they're like okay I have enough profit and I can actually start investing my money in whatever how like what do they do with their money what would be your advice like what is any free advice that you can give here on the show well i won't be able to give you specific advice because for that it would have to be a specific individual and get a better understanding of their situation but there are some broad principles that i educate people around once they start making either a high income or high revenue that they should be thinking about so first of all uh you need to have some level of cash flow control both within your business and at home right so so you need to make sure that you're leaving enough money in your business accounts so that you're not constantly tapping your personal account to cover business expenses. And you also need to make sure that you have enough of a buffer within the business so that you can start to create some income stability as far as creating your own paycheck. Because what happens for us business owners is that, you know, we don't have the, a, a payroll job anymore. So we go from feast to famine. So you may have a month where you make $10,000 and then you have another month where you make zero. The idea is to help you come up with a number that based on your average revenue throughout the year, you can take out of your business and that you can count on from a budget standpoint so that you're not going from feast to famine all the time. So that's the first thing you need to do. That's like basic foundational survival stuff. The next level is you need to start accumulating some cash because inevitably there's going to be a change in the business cycle and your industry or your business is going to see a slowdown. So this is not a matter of feast or famine. This is a matter of like, hey, you may have an extended period of time where your revenue goes down 20, 30% because there's high inflation, because there's, you know, slowdown in construction, whatever it is. So you need to have enough cash reserves at home and in the business so that when the spigot starts to slow down, you can supplement your monthly budget with some of those savings so that your life is not as heavily impacted. Once you master the game of cash flow and cash reserves, then you need to start thinking about retirement. This is one of the most overlooked areas of planning for business owners, because as business owners, we believe that our retirement plan is the business. And sadly, over half of the businesses will never sell for anything close to what the owner or the builder of that business believes it is worth. So you need to be saving outside of your business. It's okay to consider your business to be part of your net worth, part of your portfolio, but you need to treat it like a single stock investment that is very high risk and 10 years from now could not be, you know, could disappear, you know, mm -hmm. vanish all of a sudden. So I would tell people, hey, you need to create a, a retirement plan that makes sense for the business that you're running so that you can start putting away a good part of your profit above and beyond your budget at home and start preparing for retirement. Because if one day you decide to leave and you may not get as much of the value that you thought, or, you know, you may unexpectedly pass and your spouse and your family is relying on a business that is not worth nearly as much as you think. They have some other source of investing that is diversified, is well-managed, is going to be there steady 
while your business could go up and down. So those are the three areas that I primarily see business owners needing help as they go from the valley of dry bones of nothing into starting to create profit and starting to become successful. Yeah, it, you make me think about the whole retirement idea, right? We have, we kind of take it for granted that, well, yeah, we're going to work for like, what, like 50 years, 60 years. And then yes, we're going to be like healthy and can like enjoy whatever we made, but we might not even get there. And you you and I both were like, we're younger, we're not close to retirement yet in terms of like what we see retirement as, right? And we have children and you want to spend time with your children. So why don't we just make sure that if you're a business owner, you're making enough money that you can actually, um, you know, time to spend with, with your children, to be there for your partner and to live the life now as we're, you know, we're not granted. We don't know if we're going to live tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also the flip side thinking, yeah, well, if you do live to a hundred, then you still, yeah, you need money because mm-hmm. that's what you need if, if you want to live, right? So there is this, I think this balance that we have to figure out, okay, how much do I want to earn today and that I can live from? And then how much do I ne- actually need to save and what am I going to invest it in, I mm-hmm. guess? And then you create a plan. Yeah, that's what an advisor is there to help you is to help you figure out how to create that plan and make sure that you're taken care of. Yeah, exactly. So I think that plan is important, but I do want to mention you said cash flow control and cash reserves are very important if mm-hmm. you just want to get anywhere in general if you want to build some type of wealth mm-hmm. um, and if you want to start investing and are there like any people talk a lot about investing are there like any markets that you know if you have to invest in there or like you're like okay this is like the go-to market or you're like i can't answer that question because it's so different per person mm-hmm. uh well i think that in general when we talk about investing people generally think the stock market uh and of course the u.s based stock market is the most invested market in the world. There are a lot of American companies that produce a lot of goods and services throughout the world. So the S&P 500, which is the, you know, the 500 largest companies in the U.S. Uh, as a, from a market standpoint, uh, tends to be kind of a basic reference for anyone who's investing their funds in terms of retirement. Uh, but you, all, you, you have to think about a couple of things. You have to think about diversification, right? So depending on the country that you live in, it may not make sense for you to have the same allocation as somebody who lives in the United States. Uh, you also may be uh, under a different currency regime. You may have regulatory limitations as far as what you can and cannot invest in. Uh, the importance is the important thing is to maintain the three universal principles of investing that are true no matter where you invest. Number one, you need to diversify. Please don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Number two, you need to maintain costs as low as possible so that your investments are not eaten up by fees from the investment vehicles that you're putting them. And then the third thing is to be tax efficient. So whatever the country is that you're in, you need to figure out how to save in such a way that you can shelter as much as you can from taxation because the government is going to come in and take your piece of the pie. And if you invest in the right way, you can minimize that piece so that you can get better returns over time. Okay, good. Diversify, make costs as low as possible, and then be tax efficient. Yes. Good to know. All listeners, take that (laughs) and use it when you start investing. Um, Okay, so one question I oftentimes forget to ask, but actually want to ask the guests on the show is to share about a mistake they made. So they can actually share that with the listeners and the listeners can learn from that and they don't have to make the same mistake. So is there anything when you started out your business that you just messed up and you're like, okay, this is something that other people can learn from? 
When I started my business, my efforts around marketing were very diffuse. I was in every platform. I was producing content every day. And I was overextending myself personally because I was investing a lot of time in creating all of that work. Uh, but also, I wasn't getting the results that I wanted from my marketing either because it was just too diffused, too spread out. Once I learned that about six months into my business and I had a better, did a better job of identifying where the ideal avatar for my business lived, you know, in terms of which social media network, what kind of content are they looking for? How frequent are they looking for set content? Then I was able to reorganize my marketing efforts and make a marketing plan that was less time intensive, but higher yielding, right? The moment I started focusing and narrowing down my efforts into one social network with one specific line of content, uh, creative content type work, then I was able to see better results in terms of people seeking me out, engaging, you know, higher engagement for all of my posts, people commenting, people liking, people coming to me, wanting to get a consultation so that I could speak to them about what I did. Uh, and then other opportunities to continue spreading my message came from that as well. Okay. So you were sweating, putting a lot of effort into your marketing. You're like, why is this not working? And you were basically like speaking mm -hmm. to everybody on, on every channel. And then mm -hmm. you realize this is not what I should do. I should really focus, narrow it down and mm -hmm. yeah, leave out people that are not part of my target audience and be okay with that. Because I think that's the fear most entrepreneurs have. It's just like, if I don't say this, then those people feel left out, but you can't offer your services to everyone, I guess. It's, it's like you said, you have two specific target groups that you focus on, right? And then also you have to think about too, that in this day and age, people are tired of looking at commercialized salesy content. They're looking for storytelling. They're looking to, especially if you're in a service-based business where you are the product, they want to know you. Mm -hmm. They, you know, you can tell them everything about what you do for other people and that's good. And there's a place for that in your marketing journey. But most people want to know you, what kind of person are you? What is your work ethic? What is the kind of kinds of people that you work with? But they want to also know, what do you spend your time doing? You know, are you a family person? You work with families. I've never seen your family on social media. Are you yeah. sure you work with families? You know, so all those questions you need to answer depending on the type of business that you're creating. But if you're creating a service-based business where you are the product, you need to intentionally create a brand that is relatable, that is approachable, and that people can identify with. Yeah, exactly. Because products do sell, but people sell better. Oh, yes. I agree <laughs> with that. Wise words. All right. So last question that I I want to ask you is can you share you know any details on like how people can contact you your website socials if you have any freebies mm -hmm. now is the time to do that yeah so the the first place to uh you know to go look is my website abundantadvisors.com that is my and we'll include all these links in the podcast description so if you're listening to this you don't have to seriously write anything down right now uh abundantadvisors.com is kind of the main hub for you to understand the things that i do it has information about my firm and some of the offerings that we have available for, you know, US-based uh, clients. Uh, then as you become more interested, if you want to learn more about my philosophy about planning, I've created uh, a free online course. It's called Christian Financial Plan Quick Start. Uh, and the link is also included here in the podcast where I take you through a high-level overview of kind of the 12 different areas of financial planning. And I give you a little bit of a 
of a nugget of wisdom for you to start working on a financial plan for yourself. If you feel like that is, you know, exactly what you're looking for is you want to build a financial plan uh, and you want to understand the depths of financial uh, planning as a do-it-yourself investor, if you're not working with an advisor, I recommend you check out my masterclass. In this masterclass, we actually go deeper. It's a, it's a lot more extensive in terms of videos and templates. You know, I, I kind of, you kind of get to peek over my shoulder as I demo some of the tools that I use in my firm when I'm helping my clients so that you can replicate some of those results for yourself. And that will give you the opportunity to not only get a little overview like the free course, but actually be able to put together a financial plan for you and your family that you can rely upon uh, and do so very low cost relative to what you would have to pay for somebody to create one for you. Perfect. As Leo said, I'm going to put all of this in the podcast notes. So you'll be one click away. Yeah. Then the only thing I can do is like, thank you so much Leo for being on the show and I really appreciate you sharing all the wisdom and tips and tricks and advice and um, yeah thanks so much thanks Jane thank you for listening to the born to fly podcast if you liked it please leave a review on google podcast or apple podcast and don't forget to share it with your friends if you'd like to know more about born to fly go to born to fly.faith There you can discover our How to Find Your Calling course and a community for like-minded entrepreneurs. Looking forward to having you back next time.